0: Viewpoint weekdays eight to ten p.m. on S.A.F.M.
1: Song is on my pet On the Viewpoint. Be there
0: when the people start to turn it around, when they triumph over poverty. I wanna be there when the people in the battle against AIDS I wanna lend a hand I wanna be there for the alcoholic I wanna be there for the drug addict I wanna
2: 11 minutes past 20 hours, and we all know who our guest is when we play that song. It's Tumamina by Dada Hugh Masegela, and made famous in Feb last year, 2018, when the president made it his rallying call for what would come to characterize his presidency. Has it come to characterize his presidency? Well... We don't know, but we do know that we have Ms. Patronella Ngaba, Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity. She is a researcher at Nelson Mandela Center for Memory or Nelson Mandela Foundation, and she's also one of, I'm not so sure what your title is there, Patronella Ngaba. What is your title there at AFRE?
1: Hi, Sungezo. Um I am an Associate Programme Director for the Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity um, for South Africa.
2: Thank you so much and well you the next question is really what does Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity do how is it aligned to the vision of former President Nelson Mandela and talk to us about the cross-border nature of the program we understand that it has facilities and members here in South Africa as well as in the U.S.
1: Um yes so um so the Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity was launched in 2017 but launched its first cohort of fellows in 2018 and it's basically a partnership between Columbia University in the city of New York and the Nelson Mandela Foundation based here in Johannesburg. And it um comes out of, you know, funding and from the legacy of the Atlantic Philanthropies, which are in its dying stages at the moment. And what they did is that they dedicated, you know, they lost big grants to seven fellowships across the world. And the Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity is one of those seven. So how that is connected to the work of the foundation is that the foundation has been doing a lot of work around what um, we term identity politics. Um, So the foundation, broadly speaking, works on three main programs, and that is research and archives, Mandela Day, which is um, very well known, and also then what we call the dialogue program. And so the fellowship falls under the dialogue program at the foundation. And it forms part of the foundation's broader strategy of deepening impact by reaching deeper, right? So by that, we mean doing work that is very strategic and, um, uh, and, and pushes interventions that have a long haul and lasting impact so that we can start doing the work that we need to do. And so that's how the, fa- how the fellowship comes about and connects to the foundation. So and your, next, your second question was about um, the transnational nature of it, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So basically, the fellowship um, was launched to advance a vision of a world in which all are treated with um, dignity, compassion, and have a voice, power, and access to resources and opportunities necessary for them to um, to to reach their fullest potential. Basically, and so how it works is that. We work around recruiting change makers both in the United States and South Africa, and we want to support them in order to um, bring about an, the dismantlement of anti-black racism in these two nations. And so we do that by ensuring that we've got um, fellows that are, you know, coming from different backgrounds, um, different communities, uh, strategies, and. Um, you know, experiences, but with the core idea of working against um, racial oppression and dismantling anti-black racism in the two nations.
2: Let's talk about the relationship between the United States and South Africa. I mean, if one, any student of history will tell you that whatever it was that would have happened in the U.S., Only a couple of years later or centuries later, as the case may be, it would go on to happen in South Africa. The similarities of history is probably also crucial for the success of this program, especially when you contemplate that you would have young leaders from the United States as well as from South Africa participating together.
1: Um, yes. Um. I mean, you're a man of procurement, right? And you know that um, part of even our system. I'm a
2: man of radio, please.
1: <laughs> no. I mean, like also like the, some of the work that um you're familiar with, is yes. is around that. And uh, you know the influences of trying to reimagine a black government and the lessons that were learned from you know um Atlanta and also the influence of Booker T. Washington's um kind of work in how we reimagine the economy and and, and redistribution. But it doesn't only stop there. You know, the history starts from um you know civil rights movement the udf it goes as far as um marcus garvey and as, as, as south africa being one of the biggest chapters if not the biggest outside of the the um mm-hmm. the, the americas but more so the concern is as we have carried on um in, into the current uh, current um kind of kind of in current um, contemporary times we have seen you know the black Lives Um, Movement and similarities, and also the struggle for fees must fall, and how those are shared narratives across the two nations. And there's there's been many conversations that have happened between these two, and learnings, you know. And so the idea is to continue to foster that and provide a space of exchange and and intentionality in in providing that those uh, a space where those lessons are learned, but also think about what what the future um, could possibly hold and what we need to start doing now and 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 as much as racial um racial oppression and and anti-black racism is not limited to the u.s and south africa it's, it's, it's a global phenomenon right but because of the long histories and the similarities and also particularities of these two countries it becomes possible for us to begin a dialogue which is part of the focus work of the nmf you know um the idea that memory in itself is dialogue, but also that we can bring about new solutions and change through using dialogue. And so that's what also part, partly what anchors this program.
2: We're in conversation with Miss patronella Ngaba, Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity. She's the associate there, as well as researcher at the Nelson Mandela Foundation, if you wish to post if you wish to participate in this conversation kindly dial 0891104207 questions specifically about the history the shared history of south africa and that of the united states what your experiences are with that and what your knowledge and experience with racial issues as they pertain to the two jurisdictions patronella let's talk about the kind of caliber that you have now assembled for the 2019 2020 year the 2020 fellows i mean the 20 fellows from across the americas and south africa tell us about the profile what sort of were the major um, credentials, if you will, of some of the candidates and what it is that AFRE can look forward to in this group.
1: Okay, so um, we recently launched our new cohort for 2019 and 2020. Um, A group of amazing, 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 I cannot stress that enough, amazing people from different um, sectors, um, different backgrounds, different... um, who identify different... different races as well, which is very important if we are to, you know, um, if we are to be deliberate and constructive about dealing with racial issues across these two nations. Um, so we have, the main criteria was that we're looking for people who have, uh, you know, experience um, in doing racial equity work, demonstrated experience. We were looking for people who are change makers, who are willing to, um, be in spaces where they will be challenged deeply, but also looking to do meaningful work. Uh, So we've got um, from scientists to grassroots organizers all the way to academics and artists are also part of this group. And um, one of the criteria was that you had to also have a project that we felt would speak and also work to develop a community um, for sustained, like I said, sustained um, sustained strategies towards dismantling anti black racism. So uh the, the site has all the people's names, but I think I want to speak about a few of them who, for me, are one, some of the fascinating um, sure, fellows please. that we have. So Indeed. we've got Constance Mohale, who does um, a lot of rural activist work. She recently put on a campaign around um, the traditional bills, and, 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 and I think that's amazing work you, dealing with land issues in the country. We also have one of our fellows, Dr. Jansha Nisi, um, who... Um, is a scientist and is invested in doing a project that looks at you know citizen science like bringing science to rural communities and citizens so it's also a project around ensuring that supporting um the development of literacy and you know cross-sectional kind of interventions into racial equity work so we 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 have a lot of uh, we have a lot of fellows also have fellows in the u.s who are grassroots organizers who are invested in um for example, um, Mr. G2 Brown, who's a grassroots organizer who's invested in establishing centers that can resource black organizations and black communities um, to sort of build strategy and have sustained impact in, 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 towards fighting racial um, oppression. We also have um, one of our, our, our younger fellows, um, Dolores Wilson, who is working with women and in entrepreneurship. So basically we've got a wide range of fellows who are different doing different things but in all to have a, you know coordinated collaborations that could work towards dismantling anti-black racism in its different um, expressions.
2: We're in conversation with Ms Patronella Ngabat. Of the Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity, Petronella, Drink Some Water. This program brings together accomplished individuals from diverse backgrounds to incubate new strategies for addressing, dismantling, and transforming the power structures that subjugate black people. Fellows explore the origins of structural racism and the mechanisms through which it operates. Up to 20 leaders from the U.S. and South Africa participating in this 12-month program with week-long sessions in various locations in the United States and South Africa. The first cohort assembled in Johannesburg very recently, as recently as last month in fact, in the week of the 19th and 20th of June. And to tell us more about that, who is on the line is Ms. Patronella Ngabu, who is also a researcher at the Nelson Mandela Foundation. If you want to contribute to this conversation, please do so 891 at WhatsApp texts 614 Hashtag SIFM Viewpoint at SfM Radio is our handle and song is on my back is that of mine. We are back with Miss Patronella Ngaba. Miss Patronella let's talk about, I mean you touched on the projects and I think that was quite interesting to get a sense of the interventions that are made by ordinary men and women both in South Africa as well as in the United States What kinds of projects as well are you seeing that fellows are proposing to do or have done? You've mentioned two, could you tell us more? Just to get a sense of how broad racial equity work is in the context of our small silo spaces where we might come from
1: Okay. Um actually let me take it back a little bit. So Yes. One of the ideas about assembling a cohort of people who are different who are doing different work from different fields is the recognition that um, racial equity work is going to need strategies from different um you know, different parts of the system, right? Because what we're looking to do is to change the game, change the institutions, and, and change what the possible daunting future could be. And so some of the projects that we're seeing through are people that are looking to work in, um, env- in, in environmental issues. So Ms. Dora Marema um, works around gender and environmental issues, and, and that's the core focus of that, right? A lot of people never really... Um, Put the two and two together around how the the racial impact the the environmental impact when the cross section when cross sectioned with race. so we're seeing some of those projects come through. We also have Lenga from the eastern Cape Mukazizi um, who's working on. I'm um, establishing an ac- academy through using creative arts to educate kids and bring about creativity with the use of the calabash, you know, merging indigenous knowledge with yes. art and, 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 and kids because, yes. you know, we, we need to start that fostering from a young age. Uh, we, we've, we've also got people who are looking into um, how do we start building conversations in organizations. So we've got... Um, um Miss uh Busisiwe. Busisiwe Klamini who um works as well with Democracy Works uh and also does work as a consultant and is looking to to deal with what would um black only spaces and in, 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 in the workspace look like, the conversations that could be carried there. Um so it's a lot of that work, but besides just the projects, right? We we've also recognized that projects come and go all the time, but it does yes. matter who are the people doing these projects so our our program is also focused on the personal development and leadership of uh, of these change makers so we try to balance out you know the the understanding of who this person is what they're trying to do their own personal journeys um, and also what would it mean to bring this project to life so we support both at the same time
2: let's talk about conversations in the organizations because to an extent we need to talk about what you referred to early on, structural racism. Structural racism specifically in South African organizations, private spaces for the most part, not to say that these do not exist in the public sector, but they're probably more pronounced in the private sector. Does your work interface with this type of approach? In other words, having these conversations taking place where really they are most felt, specifically from a professional's perspective.
1: So, we because of our broad strategy, we also do recruit people who are in business. We also do recruit people who are in government. And it's it's and we do recruit people who are in grassroots and civil society because the conversation, you know, you don't... The personal is political and the political is personal. You don't get to, you know have put on an outfit and go to the workplace and pretend these issues and the institutional cultures don't affect people. So we do um, get into those conversations and what that looks like. um, And also a conversation around changing institutional cultures. Because even the private sector and the organizational corporations that you talk about are a product of the societies that we see. And so we have to constantly be in conversation with those two things.
2: Tribalism in South Africa is also one of those issues that are a bane to the collective development of Africans and for South Africans, more broadly speaking. When we talk about racism, should the issue of tribalism be a feature of that conversation or is it something completely different?
1: Remember tribalism is also an expression of intra-black politics, right? And also a manifestation of white supremacy. and. if you think back to Mamdani's book, um, Citizen the Subject, that's, that's, that's part of it. So it, it, part of the racial equity work is dealing with the intra black politics that we deal with um, at, a, at a tribalism level, at a you know more recent topic of colorism, um, it also feeds into all of that. So it is also part of the core of what we try to deal with within our curriculum um, through the year.
2: I'm unable to make the link and probably because I just don't understand the subject as well as I might want to. When you talk about tribalism being a symptom of white supremacy, do you want to elaborate on that, please?
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, I referenced um, uh, Mamdani's Citizen and Subject, right? That yes. basically, in summary, talks about the the larger structures that were used to control and oppress um black people, right, in the Bantustans and the relationship with that to maintaining the apartheid state. Um, often people tend to think that the absence of whiteness in itself means the absence of white supremacy whereas the learnt behaviours and the learnt um, worth or value or the ways in which anti-black racism manifests itself does have a direct relationship into your understanding of your identity which sometimes is rooted in, in, in tribes and um, you know different variations of culture and, and that's the link that I'm making I'm la- I'm making the link that um, in our understanding of how we live our lives and, and and express and understand value and identity and how we relate to each other it is also a conversation around what the value systems that has existed to make us believe that there's a significant difference based on tribes and also inside the violence that you were alluding to
2: For those of you who have just joined the conversation, we're in conversation with Umam Kwati, Ms. Patronella Ngaba of the Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity, an organization that is transnational because it draws 20 young inspirational leaders from both the United States and South Africa to participate in a 12-month long program and week-long sessions in various locations, both here as well as in the United States, specifically tackling the issue of racial equity. To the extent that you wish to contribute, please do give us a call, 891 104 What are your experiences in the work now? Not necessarily what your experiences are as it pertains to racism and being the receiver of that. I think this is not the kind of conversation we want to have in that regard. We're talking about dismantling the institutions that perpetuate and er- and and make for fodder for racial segregation, discrimination, racism, and all other isms that flow from racism. So please do contribute on oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. Ms. Petronella Naba is also a researcher at the Nelson Mandela Foundation. The heroes, of course, who are kind of like beacons of hope. You mentioned Marcus Garvey, Frederick Douglass, Bugatti T. Washington, Du Bois, locally Dada Biko, Dada Mandela, Dada Tambo, and the like. When you're sitting in these week-long sessions for instance the first one that launched the program what kind of conversations were taking place in terms of getting everybody to be on board so that they understand what exactly it is that they'll be experiencing for the balance of this 12-month program
1: so we have a range of conversations right but um i think when you referring to some of those leaders part of what we need to deal with is what are the complexities that people who've been in positions to make change or run movements or lead revolutions have had to deal with? I think that's the core of of the questions, right? um if you're dealing with a a leadership development path so that's also part of what we try to unravel around what que- what what lessons can we draw from these people including um what Nelson Mandela and his time um what lessons can we draw what can we learn what kind of conversations do we need to have um in what extent how those cross generational con- like um how's that cross generational relationship happening right now um and also how, more than, more than that, understanding where we've come from, where we are right now, how are we building for the future is also part of an important conversation that we have during those weeks.
2: What next? I mean, I understand you obviously would have had your first session where you are just basically testing each other out and feeling each other out, but the work really doesn't stop. And a lot of these persons, as you have said, are prominent people in their respective societies. What happens next from here in terms of making sure that all the energy and fire that you would have started a couple of weeks back doesn't die, but rather can only get stronger and more intense?
1: Well, as you've mentioned already, um, it's a 12-month-long uh, it's, it's fellowship in its initial year. And what we try to do within that year is work with the fellow um, through their own leadership journey, but also building and capacitating them for the project in which they proposed to the program. Um, beyond that, for um, post that initial year, they then join what we call a senior fellow community that joins all the seven fellow uh, senior fellows from the different programs into a global community of change makers. in um, if it's to push and influence, you know, collaborations across nations, um, So it's part of that. And so what's next for us now is that in September, the cohort, the full cohort, which was here in Johannesburg, is going to be in the United States in New York, where they'll... um partake in the second module. So over the 12-month period, we have four main modules that they 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 um, attend in person, both in the United States and in South Africa. And in between that, we also have um, partner learning institutes where we take a deep, um, deeper dive into issues of structural racism. And also another theme that we're looking at for this year is around race and technology. Uh, because we need to, like I said, we need to always be future forward in building our strategies and our solutions to our, our current problems.
2: Awesome. Let's take a couple of calls after this break. We've got Loazi from Pretoria and Aisha in Uppington after this.
1: now. 0891
2: From Pretoria, we have Loazi. Shoot, brother. Loazi? Hello? Hello? Hello, Loazi. Please talk.
3: Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'd like to say hi to the guest. Uh, 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 I missed her name. What's the name, by the way?
2: Um, it's Kwati.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, hi to the lady. Uh, look, uh, personally, I'm one of the people who doesn't support any form of, uh, what can I say, racial biasness, even though I'm a black person and, and I understand our history as black people. And I still live in the townships, by the way. But I'm one of the black people who actually doesn't want to be... I don't want to feel as if I'm some form of a charity... Just because of my color. So, well, what I actually uh, you would 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 prefer is that if any government or any organization wants to help people, let it be through identifying people through their financial or socio-economic background, not their skin, skin color. So, for example, I do have relatives who live in the city, right? But just because they are black doesn't mean that they should qualify for any form of Bias, biasness by the government. Whereas, while while I'm while I'm talking in town, I do see poor Indians and poor colors and whites. So I'm am one of those people who ask, "Why?" So sorry, sorry I called in. So I would I, I would like to just get a minute or two. Okay, okay. So like, as I was saying, like I don't want to be to, be, to be made to feel as if I'm a charity case because of my skin color. So and I think that also lowers our standards in different uh, sectors in society because. When you when you see forms of, uh, for example, channels like BET, which is like which if I'm not mistaken stands for Black Entertainment Television, I think what that does for us who are pursuing careers in music like myself, right? If I win an award for from BET, for example, I'm only competing against people who look like me, right? Unlike MTV, where I have to compete against any Let me ask the question. Let me Therefore, ask a question. I know that if I win an award there, I I, I know that I'm actually the best. Of the best, if I win an award from MTV or the Grammys, but if I win from BET, I'm only, best, I'm only the best amongst us as black people. So I right. don't want us to lower our standards as black people to get favors either from Indians or white or, or, even, or even fellow blacks, because I think we are lowering our standards need to succeed.
2: We've got you. So Thank you so much. I
3: wanted to punch above our. Loisy no, we've got punch,
2: the point. Thank you very much. We're going to go through yes. to Aisha now because we really don't have time. Aisha, please.
1: Good evening.
2: Good evening, Aisha. To
1: both of you. Hi Aisha. um i i I love your idea. <laughs>
4: you,
5: you are dealing with my lived reality um i just i I, I just need clarification on taking you back to the Mamgani point and tribalism and I didn't understand that properly. Can you please go back to that point and, and explain it to me so that I do understand? Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Aisha. Let's go through now to Mam Kwati, Just responding to Lozi and Aisha before we take another caller.
1: Okay. Hi, Lwazi. Um Actually, actually, very much. Thank you for your point. Firstly, the fellowship in itself is deliberately um, multiracial, but centering the leadership of Black people. I think I should have clarified that. And the reason for that is because we d- we recognize that dismantling the system of anti-Black racism is going to take um, everybody to be a part of it, but I also just want to take you up on something that you said that I, I think bothered me a bit, and it's, it's it's that in in what you've said, you you almost made an implicit assumption that um, mm. there's something a, a correlation between blackness and underachieving, which I I think is problematic, and and, and it comes to the point around when we talk about the structural um, challenges that black people face, which is why they would be you know, a prioritization of, of 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 black leadership in a program like ours. But more so, um, the stance of the foundation and also the fellowship is not to treat people as a ter- charity case, but rather, like I said, capacitate for long-term strategies. I think that's something very different. So we're not here trying, you know, running a charity case or choosing people um, because we, we, we think they you know, we, we pick people who are already doing amazing work, but we recognize that giving them support and um, and equipping them to to to, to see the pr- projects through and the work that they've continued to do will ensure that we actually start moving forward in um, in changing the game and also winning this fight against um, racial oppression. And then um, the second caller, sorry, I didn't get, is Aisha.
2: Aisha from Uppington, yes.
1: Okay, hi Aisha. So Aisha, the idea of um, let me try and think. Summarize this. So the, the idea of, of, of tribalism is that, amongst many other things, is is that there's the, there was always a, a you know a, a race to the. I don't want to use the term "better black." <laughs> um, uh, you know a comparison of, of of who can get access and who was the better and has stake and 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 that in itself because of the system of oppression created a lot of unnecessary difference and conflict amongst different um uh, tribes very much in, so in the in in the sense of um different racial groups and that's what i was highlighting by the reference to the book citizen um and subject um sorry am Danny's book um yeah
2: very well thank you so much we have, as a surprise to you, Mum Kwati, one of your fellows, somebody who is a trailblazer in every respect, not just in her own right. Good evening to you, Nolizwe Peacock.
5: Hi some
2: Good Janice.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, like awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, you've spent enough time in the Eastern Cape. You've done very well there. Nolizwe, well, you're a fellow. <laughs> Many congratulations for what is surely a high honour. You have clocked at the Constitutional you. Court. You have got yourself a master's degree. I understand from Harvard. You have an LLM from Harvard. Is that correct?
5: Um, yes, that's correct.
2: And after Harvard, you went through to the Eastern Cape to go and che- teach by the Wild Coast.
5: Um, yes, I'm living in a village called Meleni, um, here in the Amatole district of the Ambashen municipality in the former Skye area along the wild coast.
2: Tell us about your application and what it was that you put forward as your best foot, such that you would win this wonderful opportunity to be, to be part of the fellowship as AFRE.
5: Um, thanks, Sangezo. Well, I mean... Uh, the fellowship, um, yeah, was a tremendous opportunity for me and I'm incredibly humbled to be a part of it, particularly as a white South African. Uh, my part in order to move this country to a more equal country and to overcome some of the barriers uh, and more kind of sinister, uh, invisible barriers um, to greater equality, particularly for the large black majority in South Africa. Uh, the work that I do here... Um, is education, early childhood development, law-related work, but particularly the project that I put forward that is now being backed uh, by AFRI is the plan to found an organisation called the Equality Collective that works primarily to support campaign work and um, challenges that are chosen and driven by community groups here where I live, um, and our job is to support it. So I see myself fundamentally as an ally in the community struggles in
2: this area and I suppose what work you're doing is in many ways making interventions in the realm of education that allows those who would otherwise not have the opportunities that you're proposing and creating partnerships for to participate meaningfully ultimately in the South African economy and social spaces as well as political spaces and this feeds into the work of AFRI what is it that is going to be your major drawcard in bringing attention to the plight of students and scholars who are typically faced with the challenges that you deal with on a day-to-day basis?
5: Um, yeah, thanks, Ngezo. I mean, even though my particular expertise at this stage in my life is education-related, a lot of our work will sit at the intersection of many, many issues faced by people. Um, uh, you know, we, we're in the, one of the poorest municipalities in the country, so you're talking about a whole range of intersection. Uh, that keep people in poverty. So it could be you know, sanitation, water, roads, education, etc. So our job is to really... Uh, ...and campaigning as an effective tool uh, to, to advance access and inclusion to these communities.
2: Okay, and, just just
5: and the job is mostly you know, to bring them more into, an inclusive, into the inclusive economy.
2: Well, we do wish you well for the program, one, two, but more importantly, the work that you do with the people of Ngeleni in the Mbasha Local Municipality. Thank you so much for joining us, Nolizwe. And long live. May your work be in the community once you no longer find expression there. And I hope that's 50 years from now.
5: (laughs) Thank you, Conrad.
2: Cheers. Take it easy. Mam Kwati, these are the kind of... People you deal with. Tell us about Miss Patronella Ngabe and how she stood out among the many thousands who would have applied.
1: Not I'm Patronella. <laughs> you mean Tess,
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: Um, okay, so like I said earlier on, we are looking for people who have a track record of doing work, but more important, for whom this work is, you know, it's their life. They feel strongly about it and we can bank on them. Um, you know, for a sustained impact that's important right um, so one of the things that always stood out about Tess was her willingness to um, go to a community in the deep rural eastern Cape where many wouldn't go and and dare to dream and want to start something new. It was also the idea of a pro- a project that looked at capacitating legal resources in those areas that are very much um neglected. So it was it was both a combination of of who she was and what she stood for and who she came forth t- to be and also take um you know the responsibility to want to be part of the solution. But also an idea that I think is very much lacking, especially in the region of the Eastern Cape, and 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 one that. Um, we could see a lot of impact and change happening in the communities that otherwise would have been forgotten.
2: Very quickly, from Bloemfontein, we have KG as well as Siabonga. And KG, you must tell me why you guys wait until 2045 when we have to leave this particular conversation for you guys to call. KG, do you want to answer that question first before you contribute, please? Of course, I'm teasing.
6: (laughs) Thank you very much for taking my call.
2: Thank you for calling.
6: I just want to say, I think uh, each and every intervention Available should actually be there you know to assist people who want to uh, go forward with their businesses and stuff like that because the reality of the situation is until now. the private sector itself is not serious about uh, transforming or uh, seeing to it that uh, black entrepreneurs are able to make it and to prosper, even the government itself is not serious you know because for, for example, if you look at the, the former taxi recapitalization program. The only thing that uh, taxi owners benefited from that thing is bankruptcy. Because at the end of the day, when, when it was co- conceptualized, uh, uh, the government allowed uh, taxis from Russia and from China and from everywhere to come into the country. Where at the end of the day, these people just came in to make a quick buck and went out and left our people here really, really, really bankrupt. You look at the private sector. Uh, some trucking companies came up with these owner-driver skills. But the way they were structured, was in such a way that at the end of the day you are an owner-driver but uh, the money that we are able to make is actually the the same wages that you would have made if you were just a driver employed by anyone so i think those interventions are really necessary but at the end of the day even those people who are uh, assisted by those interventions themselves need to be curious you know not to be uh, intervening perpetually until the end of time you know to say if i case i'm assisted the next five ten years, I should be able to, to, to be on my own to feed and
2: to pull some
0: with myself as I go up. Fantastic. Thank
2: you, Thank you so much, KG, calling us from Bloemfontein. Siabonga, sorry about your having tried to get back to us and we appreciate your being on it. Siabonga from the Northern Cape?
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, y- you know, because I really thought deep of this racial issue thing and I was thinking uh, if, if you guys are like Jimmy, I'm quite together. Since you guys are really fighting this thing of uh, fighting this thing, the, the racial issue thing, don't you think maybe somehow you're really fighting nature? Because never in our lifetime have we uh, we never had a relationship with white people. And if you can just look how the universe is is placed, you can see maybe there's a, there's just a division. So that thing. You, you see that God really, God really divided us on, on purpose. So for, for Africans to be in, on this side and, and Europeans to be on that, on the other side. So you guys are really fighting nature if you think that white people and black people who, who work together because it was never designed. To, you get my point?
2: We get your point. I don't know if she agrees. Thank you so much <laughs> for the call, Siabonga. Mamqwati. Do you do you not agree?
1: Um. Okay. So I will start with Siabonga. Um. You see, Sibanga, the thing about what, that we do know about our society is that racial differences are, are definitely a social construction. Um, there's nothing inherent that prevents us from being able to work together or exist or coexist and collaborate together, but it is a, a product of social engineering that was designed to oppress. So we do owe it to ourselves to do that work um, to try and ensure that the future doesn't look that way. And, and that's why this fellowship is so important. Um, and then the, for KG, you see, KG, I th- I agree with you. You know, because I think what you you're referring to is you know, precisely getting people to a point where they can be self-sufficient and self-determined, which and and you, I think you're speaking about it in very specific terms around um, um, access to um, power and economic resources, which is which is a very very you know touchy and important crux of it, especially in the South African um, society right now. But I, to your point, I think what it will take for us to dismantle anti-black racism is a concerted effort from diff- from every sector of society, and and by that I mean not just you know just business or or or, um, or business or entrepreneurship kind of. Uh, so sort of strategies, but it is going to take a concerted effort to change the policies that bring about the expression of the, disenfranchis- the disenfranchisement of, of, of black people. It is going to take us doing the work around narrative, around ownership, and and you know, and um, black people owning. Um, industry. It is also going to take us, you know, um, a lot of work around the institutions that keep people oppressed and outside of the economy. So I, I think I hear you on the whole idea of entrepreneurship and business, but I, I think we should take it upon ourselves to think deeply and take seriously the idea of everybody pulling together to change the status quo.
2: Ms. Naba, thank you so much for your time. We're going to give you a minute just to say whatever it is that you wish to cover for the balance um that you haven't had an opportunity to speak over but from us on our side we appreciate your time and responding more importantly as candidly as you have on these callers and the points that they have raised do you have anything else to say before we talk to mr hendrik munye again mr lungi lezuli talking to us about the prevalence of drugs in our communities
1: um no i just want to thank you Sengizo, um for this time and you know i'm getting an opportunity to talk about the work that the foundation does but more importantly this new exciting and um um, fellowship that dares to dream different, right? That dares to, to try and reinvent the wheel. So um, please look out for our f- updates on the fellowship, both on the Nelson Mandela Foundation website and also on Atlantic Fellows, Afri um, free um, website. And also please do send us messages. Please do um, send us your queries about it. It is an ongoing project and we will be opening up for applications again later this year.
2: And we certainly do want to confirm to you that we would be more than happy to have more fellows come on board, especially when you host our counterparts from the United States. We would love to get their experiences and perspectives as well on a vexing social issue, which is the world over an issue.
1: Yeah, thank
2: you, so You take it easy. Thank you so much, Ms. Patronella Ngaba, Atlantic Fellows for Racial Equity at Nelson Mandela Foundation. She's also a researcher there and associate at AFRE, which is a program that brings together accomplished individuals from diverse backgrounds to incubate new strategies for addressing, dismantling, and transforming the power structures that subjugate African people, more broadly speaking, black people. 12-month program just started, 20 leaders from the U.S. and South Africa. Stay tuned, keep your eyes and ears peeled because we'll be having this conversation more with them.